0: volume nice and loud. Uh, Good, we we are controlling controlling (laughs) transmission with dance Beats and Ori, Dawn Marie. You're in the mix with Lil Drummer Girl with your host, Dawn Dawn Marie. Marie. In
1: the mix. In the mix. Hi, and thanks for joining us today. Dawn Marie here, and I'm really stoked because You know, I'm such a fan of technology, and we've come such a long way, and today I have a very special guest whose current social media app is going to save you oodles of time managing your Twitter feeds. Today's guest is Tim Fargo. He's an American entrepreneur, the author of the book, Alphabet Success. Fargo is best known for his founding insurance fraud investigative company, Omega Insurance Service, in 1996, and became the second biggest insurance fraud investigative company in the U.S in 2003 for $20 million. He now runs the fast-growing social media content management system called Social Jukebox. Hey, Tim, how's it going?
0: Don Marie, it's going great. How are you?
1: I'm awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you are flying all over the place these days. So tell me, I know you live in several different states and countries. Where are you calling from today?
0: Uh, I'm actually in St. Pete Beach, Florida, which is a very nice place to be at the moment.
1: Sounds good. I see that we're neighbors here, and that was one of the things I thought was awesome, because I find I'm a really big fan of Florida now that I've moved out here, and uh, I I love it. Um, Are you a snowbird, or are you just here for certain parts of the year?
0: Um, I have a little bit of a history with the state of Florida. I mean, I moved here when I, I grew up in Ohio, and when I turned 18, I left. I left the snow and I moved. I I always thought it was kind of funny. To me, it was like,
1: why would I wait
0: till I'm retired? I'll move now. Um, no, I'll, enjoy, I'll enjoy the good weather for my whole life. Um, so anyhow, I moved here a long time ago, and now I split my time between Europe and here. So in the in the like in the summertime, um, we're in Europe, and in in the winter, we're either here or we're in Cape Town, South Africa.
1: Very cool. That's the place that I've been looking to get to uh, for quite some time now, so I'm going to keep that on my list. So tell me, Tim, have you always been in the technology business?
0: Not really. Um, You know, when I first got out of college, I actually did work in a technology company, and of course technology has been a part of um, all my businesses, and actually the business I sold, our technology was not only a big part of the business, it was a big part of how we sold the business because um, we moved a lot of investigative data around using technology. But in terms of the actual business itself, um, Tweet Jukebox slash Social Jukebox is the first time I've really been a kind of what you could call a pure technology play, so to speak.
1: That's awesome. So I've been using your latest app, Tweet. Jukebox. and can you tell us a little bit about it and and how you got into creating this app and why you created it?
0: Sure, um, the, I mean it's a social media content management system and as I alluded to, we're in the process of becoming social jukebox where not only will we handle Twitter, we'll also handle Facebook and LinkedIn and that's coming next month. Um, awesome. But the way I got into this <clears throat> was completely by accident. I was. I was trying to promote a book in 2013 um, on Twitter, and I was spending an inordinate amount of time using scheduling tools to keep like things moving through my Twitter feed, and I had other things to do, right? And the thing that really bugged me about it is that the people on the receiving end don't really care how it got there, you know? I mean, it doesn't matter if it if you drug a tweet you know, through a desert and then finally entered it on a keyboard and it popped out the other end, the person receiving it has no idea how it got there. They only know what they see on the screen. So to me, being somewhat agnostic about the, the approach on the, on the tech side, I thought this is really ripe for automation because... You know, A lot of what I tweet is evergreen, both in terms of like I do a lot of quotes, but I also do a lot of blog posts. But even those blog p- posts tend to be pretty evergreen kind of content. It's not the kind of thing that like you know, in a week or a month or even a year, it's going to be out of date. Um, so way back when, I actually had this thing built for me and only me um, as kind of a custom tool because I had a few things I was doing and I wanted to help me kind of build my following. And so... That transpired in the beginning of 2014. I actually was in South Africa when I called um, the guy who used to be my head of IT and asked him if he could put something together. And he said, sure. Um, and then we started working on that. And again, it was just for me. But as the year went on, as we kind of moved through 2014, people were asking me. They were like, "Ah, oh, you're always
1: on social media.
0: <laughs> it's like, well, actually, I'm not. But, but, but my system is always on social media. Um, and so... You know, Fast forward to the beginning of last year, February of um, last year, we kind of, I, I don't even want to call it a launch because I basically just started asking some people I knew if they'd like to try it, um, and they said yes, and then it sort of blossomed from there. Um, so from February 2015 until November, um, when we actually asked people if they'd like a more robust ber- version and to pay for it, um, we grew from more or less zero users, aside from me, um, to over 20,000 users. And so now we have actually, to date, we have just over 30,000 users and um, roughly uh, 11, um, actually we're getting close to 1,200 of those users are, are paid users. So that's maybe too long, maybe too short, I don't know, but that's kind of the evolution of the app where we are today.
1: That's awesome. I mean, I didn't realize you had that many users, and and it's amazing, I mean, technology, and you're right, because I know I'm super busy. I mean, I, I work full-time. I have my business. I have other businesses as well. And the social media thing, it, I love it as much as I do, but it really does take a lot of time to do that. And so I definitely wanted to introduce the listeners who are out there who might not know about Tweetbox, everything else that you have coming along, which I'm great. I'm really thrilled that you could have uh, Facebook as well. They, they just go hand-in-hand. Hand. Can you actually, like, post one thing and have them go to both social right, platforms?
0: You could have, I mean, you could do it the way we have it planned, you're going to be able to do it either way, where um, you could be having one kind of content be shared on LinkedIn and another on Facebook and another thing on Twitter so that you know if someone's following you on all three channels, they're always seeing something a little different. If you wanted it to be synchronized where you know the content's distributed um, to the same channels at the same time, you could do that as well. So it's kind of either or, but the idea is that To try to make it so, I mean, ultimately what I want to be, I mean, we want to be in as many social platforms as we can so that when you find content or create content, you can just put it into Social Jukebox and we will share it across all your channels. That's the goal.
1: I love that. So can you explain what a jukebox, you know, actually consists of?
0: A jukebox is actually, it's a database. I mean, you know, in in its most rudimentary form. It's sort of... um, a jukebox is a repository of content within the system, and those um, those jukeboxes or databases what they tend to be organized around is a particular kind of content. let's say um, one thing I did for users recently is I put together um, it's a typically on Monday they have a thing called hashtag monday motivation. so I put together a jukebox because it's a great way to surf a trend. So I put together a jukebox for the users um, so they could share it because we have a library of content that people can tap into. Um, If they haven't really developed a lot of their own yet, they can kind of supplement with ours. Um, But in any event, so the content of that jukebox is all hashtag um, Monday motivation, right? So that jukebox is turned on in my system and presumably in everyone else's for just Monday, right? So... When Monday comes and that is kind of the done thing to do little Monday motivation like um photo quotes and things like that, it will it will feed out at whatever frequency you want that content. But you know, it could also be like maybe on Friday, you know, because follow Friday is a big thing on Twitter, so maybe you have some follow Friday. Um, a follow Friday jukebox that you would have distributing those tweets on a Friday. Whatever, whatever, how, however you want to tailor the outbound content. The jukebox is kind of an organizing place, file folder, or a database, whatever you want to call it. Um, we just call it a jukebox because that's the name of the system.
1: So you can actually have several jukeboxes, and some of them could be pretty much canned products that you, you know, uh, quotes or what have you that are already out there from the file system, or you can be creating your own infinite imp- implement- them into that
0: jukebox as well? Right. You can do either or. I mean, um, I I have some of my own kind of proprietary, for lack of a better term, content that is just mined. Um, and then I, I use some stuff from the library myself. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of dipping into both pots, right? I have some things that I've created and I've done that I'm sharing um, from certain jukeboxes. And then I have other jukeboxes that came from the library that are kind of more public content that I'm sharing as well, and even things like, let's say, for instance, you wanted to have, you know, if you had like our business system which has a lot more jukeboxes, you could conceivably have like different days. Like if you, like I have a holiday jukebox as an example that I can turn it on so it comes on in the last you know, at the end of November and it stops at the end of Christmas Eve, right? So I don't have oh. to remember to turn it on and turn it off. I can just set it uh, for a time range, date range, and um, and it'll start and stop. So it's pretty handy, and it's also pretty handy if you're doing a promotion. Um, you know, if you have a like a sports, like I say, a sporting goods store, and I don't know, if you have a promotion on soccer balls, and, uh, you know, because it's, I don't know, it's the World Cup week or something, so you wanted to blow things out. So you could set up all your promotional tweets for that week, um, and then you could have it start and stop so that, the tweets or updates um, across social would just go out during that week, and then when that week was over, that would end. I
1: love that. That's fantastic. Well, you
0: know, I have to say, I mean, it's kind of interesting because there's a handful of people that really don't like automation on social, and I do understand the point. Like, if if you're going to just, like, set up automation and walk away, then you're kind of missing the best benefit of social. But having been a small business owner most of my life, I think people, like social media people, so to speak, some of them maybe don't quite understand the level of busyness experienced by some um small business owners, and you know people don't have a lot of time to live tweet and they want to be engaged and they want to share things with their audience um and they're happy to probably engage when they're free, but they 'd still like content going out at other times, so to me that's the huge benefit of using tool like Social Jukebox is that you can keep your content going out and to the extent your audience comments on it, you can come back when you have time and then engage. Because if you only engage when you're free and you're a small business person, it's very easy to be inconsistent. And inconsistency tends to lead to very poor engagement on social.
1: True, true. I mean, you definitely have to stay on top of it because people just leave if they don't see anything coming out from you. And, um, I hate to lose people, and, you know, I love being able to be engaged with them, but it, like you say, it is very difficult when you have 50 things going on at the same time, and, and everything does take time. I mean, just doing graphics and, you know, putting my words on them, that's another, you know, how long to put something through Canva or what have you, and so it, the time does uh, play a factor. So tell me, you wrote the book, Alphabet Success, which was a story about um, a success that you built around your business. But you say that you failed at many businesses. So how did you manage to keep the gusto uh, and to keep going after all the failures?
0: Well, my running joke is that I'm just too dumb to quit. Um, <laughs> so, um, and you know, and I mean, actually, I'd say that, that, you know, I mean, I I make a joke out of it, but there is an element of truth because I, I'm a big believer in, as long as your idea I mean don't don't keep going on an idea that nobody cares about i mean if you have you know if you drug an ice machine to antarctica you know don't don't be surprised <laughs> if the- dem- demand is not too high um but, but if you have something that, that people like and you're trying to make a go of it, um, you know, I think it's really, really important just to stay in the game. And I, and I know, you know, persistence and perseverance gets talked about so much that it's almost cliché. But, um, you know, for me, I, I never really wanted to work for anyone else. I mean, I have done it, um, but I've never really enjoyed it. And um, so I... On one hand, I didn't actually think I had a lot of other options, but there's something really fun and magical about trying to get your stuff out there and get people to appreciate it and um, and trying to listen to your audience well enough to – I mean, like when we started out with, with Tweet Jukebox, I mean, some of the things we had in the beginning, I mean, people were kind of telling me loud and clear what they wanted, and we had to quickly – Take some of those ideas and incorporate them into the product. I mean, that's part of perseverance. Is you know, kind of listening while you're making that effort. But um, no, I, I don't. I don't. I I don't know if it's just who I am, but I never. I mean, I'm not saying I never get down because I do. But you know, I I tend to bounce back pretty quick, and um, I don't need a lot of stimul stimulation to kind of keep me motivated. So uh, I can I can get by on fumes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you're a rarity. I mean, I know a lot of times people, they hit the, a wall and then they kind of just drop it and they say they quit and that's it. And I'm one of those people, too, that just keeps going. Um, I have gone through several businesses myself that were not successful, but I just, you know, pick myself up and uh, dust myself off and keep going. So how old were you when you started your first business as an entrepreneur?
0: Well, I had all the typical early things, didn't I? I mean, you know, I helped neighbors out. I ran errands. I shoveled snow. I cut grass. I'd trim your hedges. I mean, pretty much within within the realm of legal things, um, you know, if you had something that wanted doing that I knew how to do, I'd do it if you'd pay me. Um, (laughs) So that was – well, my dad was pretty tough with a dollar, right? You know, so he wasn't the easiest guy to get money from. So it turned out to me it was – a lot easier to just go put the work in, get my own money, and not have to answer a lot of questions.
1: I hear um,
0: it. Yeah, so that was kind of the beginning. And, you know, I guess, I guess the lawn mowing and so on was probably, like, like I say, that was the beginning. The first thing that felt really entrepreneurial was when I was in college, I did um, a lot of tutoring for accounting and statistics and some subjects like that that people didn't tend to love. Um, and I just was fortunate enough to be fairly good in, so, um, and, I mean, as an example, just aside from, like, regular tutoring, I would sell blocks of time to people, um, and it was fascinating because I found that lots of people would buy a 10-hour block, because I charge $25 an hour if you bought it, um, a la carte, but if you bought a block, I'd charge you 20 an hour, um, but what happens is people would buy ten hours of tutoring because they thought that would be—it was like signing up for a gym. They thought if they signed up, use, <laughs> they signed up, they'd use it all. And I had loads of people just pay me and then drop out, and I never heard from them again. I mean, I did one hour, so I got paid like two hundred dollars for an hour. How um,
1: sweet! <laughs> yeah, when you're in college,
0: that's pretty awesome, you
1: know. Yeah, absolutely. So, what would you say uh, a good word of advice would be to give any new entrepreneurs out there, or anyone who might be thinking about starting a business today?
0: You know, I think there's never been um, a better time, and you know, and it. I mean, there are some difficulties because there's a lot of noise in the market. But look, I, I think you know the the first thing is before you jump in, test your idea. Um, you know, and and actually the biggest the biggest and best shortcut. Um, is, and I'm sorry to say this because I'm probably going to annoy a lot of people, but I have a real aversion to the kind of big idea philosophy that, you know, you're going to come out with this new thing that's going to change the world. I'd say if you're a new entrepreneur, probably the best thing you can do to get your feet wet is is try something you know that you have experience in where there's an established demand that you already know about and know how to access. There's a lot of moving parts in a business, and it's much easier to go into something where, like if I say to you, donut, everybody listening knows what I'm talking about or at least has a version in their mind of what it is, right? Absolutely. But the difference between that and saying, you know, and I mean, everybody loves to look at like the unicorns or look at a Facebook and go, "Oh my gosh, it'd be so awesome to have Facebook." But do you know, for everyone that makes it, there the graveyards are filled with big ideas. There's a lot more money and a lot easier money in doing something that's already being done. And and generally speaking, the best way to find something that's an opportunity is when you're annoyed. In a business, and because uh, things aren't going the way they're supposed to, that's usually an opportunity because the company that you're in their business, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, right? So, anyhow, I, I I'm a big believer in. I mean, look at Richard Branson. You know, for all the accolades he gets and how popular he is as an entrepreneur, Branson is not an innovator. Branson is a copycat. He's a great copycat. He's excellent at execution. Um, And like I say, I could just go on and on. There's so much. It's so much easier and so much better to to out execute somebody in an existing business than try to come up with a new idea and tell the world about it. That's it's really hard to do. um, Big ideas really hard.
1: It's like invention, you know, is the mother of necessity, and, and that's how those great inventions come up, because, you know, you needed something, and they didn't have it out in the marketplace, and so <laughs> you made one for yourself, and the next thing you know, you have a business, and that's the beauty of our minds are always working, and I feel like there's just millions of ideas happening every day, and I think a lot of people dismiss them when they happen, and they don't really pay attention to them, and they forget about it, they don't write it down, or they don't really ponder to think, oh, hmm, you know what, there, there may be something to that, so I always I try to tell people, write everything down, keep a journal, because I find when you get these ideas to write them down because if you don't,
0: they're as good as gone. Oh, no, amen amen to that. Well, you know, and look, I mean, what I'm doing, what I'm doing isn't new. I did an automated version of something that already existed. That was me taking it one step from just being scheduled to being automated. That was was the extent of the innovation, which wasn't a big jump. I knew that there was a need for something. It was already a need for it. So like you say, you know, I mean, mean, the idea doesn't have to be something like tremendously outrageous like no one's ever thought of before it can just be a better version of what's already being done.
1: Exactly. I was trying to do that years ago. I was in a really bad car accident, and I had to wear one of those neck brace bands. I hated it. It was the most obnoxious thing. I felt like everybody's looking at me like I was a fraud, thinking, oh, sure, you're not dirt or what have you. And, and, of course, as a stylist, you know, always being dressed up, I, I just felt like, well, this doesn't go with my outfit, so to say. And I remember thinking of a, a sleeve to try to create something fashionable, and I went down to D.C. and <laughs> went through all the patent offices and to see if I could find anything similar, and, and I thought I was going to go with it. But then I did find a prototype of it, and it didn't seem to launch. But at the end of the day, I felt like it was just way really too much money, and... And expense and time, and I didn't think there was really that big of a marketplace for it. And of course, a couple of years later, I see people making the sleeves for the casts for the arms and things like that. So, I <laughs> it wasn't such a bad idea after all. It's
0: interesting. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, but I'd say a lot, I mean, I don't know when you had the idea, but it's easier probably now to pollinate ideas like that. I mean, if you go back a few years, trying to get trying to attack a niche was so much harder because you had to find everyone, but finding everyone now is a little bit simple.
1: It's so easy. I mean, this was really in 94, 95. Oh, yeah, 95. Much, much, <laughs> much different world back then. Much I literally had to go to, you know, the office in D.C. It was like, oh, yeah, sure, everything's online now. Like, you could do now. Find what you need. So, speaking of the big bubble, do you see some, some next big bubble in the technology field?
0: You know, perhaps, because I think the level of funding associated with certain ideas is probably a little crazy. Um, but, you know, who's to say? I mean, who's to say? I do think there's some valuations that are pretty lofty. I'm very happy to say that social jukebox is completely self-funded so uh, I don't have to worry about anyone showing up and wanting to know what, when their exit date is going to be um, but, I mean and that's probably the biggest risk is that you know people that have funded businesses um, you know if if growth turns down or something goes wrong um, and all of a sudden you know their investors start getting squirrely you know the kind of good feel-good kind of kumbaya moment for the business will pass very quickly when <laughs> when investors start you know, circling for, for you know, like to accelerate their return. When that will happen though, I mean I wouldn't even hazard a guess. If somebody like Warren Buffett doesn't claim to know, then I sure wouldn't try to presuppose
1: anything that he's aware of. <laughs> cool, so how many different versions are there on uh, Social Suitbox right now? There, I know I was using the uh, free version, but then you have the pay versions. How many different plans are there right now? Okay,
0: so you have the free version, which is pretty basic, and then you have the advanced version, Uh, which in its current iteration is up to 5,000 tweets, stored jukebox tweets in the system, up to 50 stored scheduled tweets in the system, and and then it does up to um, 100 thank you tweets on Friday. So that, that's kind of the beginning version, and, then, and you can have up to three accounts linked with, with the advanced version. And then the next level up is Pro, and that's up to 30 jukeboxes and up to 10,000 tweets and up to 10 linked accounts. And then you have the business version, which is up to 50 linked accounts, um, also 10,000 tweets. So I mean every like the business version is really, really, really robust and has a lot of capability, but I mean for the vast majority of people, an advanced plan is is more than enough to do some really like great stuff um on twitter, and it'll be pretty much the same thing um, as it turns into social jukebox i mean the idea is that if you're a small business person, you could probably buy the advanced package, and it would be more than adequate. I mean, you could, of course, jump up a level if you really wanted to, kind of you know, be aggressive. The business plan. Most of those people, not all, but most of the people that have that tend to be social media managers. So it, you know, it's really up to the user, like what fits their needs best. And that's per month, yes? Yeah? Well, the, the the totals are associated with what's stored in the system. We don't really put any limits. I mean, there will be some as we migrate into more social platforms because we don't want people posting like hundreds of things onto Facebook. I mean, Twitter is a little bit more forgiving because it's a much more high volume kind of environment. So there will be some limitations, but the numbers I gave you, like 5,000 tweets is four. That's the number of stored. Like if you you had 8,000 tweets, you'd need a pro package probably so that you would be able to store all those across the 30 jukeboxes you would get. I
1: see. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: it's not a transactional limitation.
1: I like that. And if people wanted to reach out or they want to learn more about it, how? What's the best place for them to go to find uh, some more information on it?
0: You can go to tweet jukebox and tweet like T W E E T jukebox J U K E B O X dot com and all you have to do you authorize it using your Twitter account and all the information's there, the sign up, you know, there's it's very simple. It's free, so you can kind of kick it around, try it out before um you make any kind of commitment. Or you can stay on it for free as long as you want. You know, we don't mind. So and if you have questions about it, you can always find me at Tim at tweetjukebox.com. So um those are probably your two best sources, either the site itself or me.
1: Awesome. And if they want to pick up the book, uh, where can you find that book? Absolutely, Um Actually, you know, I'll,
0: I'll let you in on a little secret. I mean, you can buy it on Amazon, but um, if you want to save a little money, um, if you go to tweetjukebox.com/backslash/fire, F-I-R-E, F-I-R-E um, you can get a free PDF of the book.
1: Oh, wonderful! So, yeah. yeah,
0: check it out. Let Absolutely. me know. And let, but in, in exchange for for getting the book, please let me know what you think of it and what you think of Tweetjukebox.
1: You got that. That is not a problem. I know. I already love the Tweetjukebox. I mean, I'm using the free version. And I just love the quotes that come out there. I'm always favoriting them myself because it's just great. Um, And they really do motivate. And I I find that it's a great thing because it's just great to know that there is something going out every day, pretty much. And I see that we're running uh, low on fine here, but I I also saw that you actually went to see the uh, Northern Lights. Can you tell me a little bit about that trip? Because that's been on my bucket list for quite some time.
0: I've actually been twice now, um, but it was really interesting because we went to Tromsa which is in pretty far up north in Norway. And when we got there, I thought this was really hilarious. You probably saw a, a blog post I wrote about it. So you know, we get to the hotel. I'm asking the guy. He's like, "Oh, well, you know, you can get an organized package and etc. Cetera, etc." Cetera. And so I'm talking to my wife, and I said, "You know, I don't get it. Like, why would I need a guide? Because I've already read about it, and I know you. There's no way to forecast it. So it really comes down to." To kind of luck um and visibility and ambient light it 's kind of those three things, right so I took a map you know i took I looked at Google Maps and I looked for places where there were no houses, so I knew there would be no light and then I like <laughs> drove to those places and sure enough, I was right. It was very dark, and we lucked out because. The weather can be a little dicey. That's probably your biggest hitch when you're in these places. But there's no way the guides know either. But we just went, and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) So it's it's really pretty fascinating. It's not, at least for us, I mean, they weren't like super high level, but they're definitely visible to the eye but where you really see them, like a camera set to a really slow shutter speed picks them up much better and they're much more vivid than they are even to your naked eye. Um, but it is still pretty, it is pretty magical. Um, I mean, that's why I went twice because I, I really, it, it, there's nothing, I haven't ever done anything else like that. It's really pretty remarkable. It was, it was And, and it, was, it was, actually, and I have to tell you this, just I don't know, maybe it's part of being an entrepreneur. I just can't let go of stuff like hanging on because like, ah, maybe there's a little more. We went out and we were like, ah, you know we'll go out and check it out and then we'll go back to the hotel we need to get back by one we came back at five in the morning oh wow i mean we were just out i was like let's just go over there let's just go over there and we kind of just we had the adrenaline was going right because we're seeing this stuff and we're so pumped up so i was kind of like hey what time is it anyhow it's like oh it's four o'clock and we're like an hour from the hotel it's like yeah maybe we had to go back <laughs> so that's
1: just, pretty uh, impressive
0: it was just so fun. We were having such a good time, and you know, and it was going off, and we were seeing a lot of stuff. So, we, I'm no regrets. I mean, we had a great time. So, but it was just crazy. Like we, we completely lost track of time.
1: That's amazing. I know. It's, I've been wanting to do that for so long, and, and uh, I know I don't see it happening anytime soon. But I'm hoping within the next, you know, five years that I get a chance to get out there and do that.
0: Highly recommended. Check it out.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I'm definitely going to put up the links to those websites that you just gave me in the show notes for those who didn't get a chance to write it down. They can find it there. And so, Tim, thank you so much for coming here on the show today. And I know you have a lot of traveling to do and you're on your way out the door, so I don't want to hold you up. But um, I really, really appreciate you taking the time out and joining us today.
0: Don, Marie, I really appreciate you having me. And uh, like I say, if anyone has any questions either about product, like, you know, kind of pitching, but if you have a question about something you're working on, I mean, don't hesitate to send me an email. I
1: really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Sure. Well, All right. Well, safe travels to you, and I look forward to the new ventures out there.
0: Yeah, let's reconvene at a later date. Sounds good.
1: All right. Well, that's all for today, so stay tuned, and be sure to join us next week, and remember, it's never too late to begin to build the life and business of your dreams, and be sure to live happily, lovingly, peacefully, and successfully. Until the next time, I'll see you on the flip side. Namaste.